as I say to the clients, we don't want to like target one muscles because muscles, they all work together. There's a relationship. So the answer is not just releasing the hip flexors. So I do a lot of exercises where I have clients rotating onto left side, pushing from the right buttocks or glutes onto left side. And especially for swimmers with right shoulder pain, this is one of my go-to for programs. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer, and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. I have Carl Vrida back on the podcast. You've been on multiple times, Carl, kind of our squat guru, movement, movement guru. Uh, today, I'd, I'd love to get stuck into a couple of exercises that you've been doing with clients that you've found have just helped them much, much better with their movement patterns and just some things that you're seeing and some patterns that you're seeing amongst swimmers and, and how we can essentially move better because that is a, a big factor with improving your swimming. So firstly, welcome back. And, and what have you been working on? Yeah, Brent, thanks for having me back. It's always good. And as always, it's great working with the swimmers and your members. And, you know, you learn a lot as you, as you work with the, the swimmers. You just start to see new nuances and, and exercises and what's working and what's not working and just tracking those results. It's been really, really exciting. And, and, and especially seeing the guys making significant improvements with shoulders and backs and even just getting their glutes or buttocks activated. It's, it's all good. Yeah. So for those who don't know me, I, yeah, one of my things that I really focus on a lot was helping clients with this, doing the squats and we've got a course that you and I, we worked on together. And that's, that's, that's also, that was the basics of the introduction to how to squat correctly. But today I've got two, two new exercises I wanted to take people through. And just to give a bit of like history or just a bit of background is we talked about in the last podcast, if you remember this thing of like connection, electrical connection. And so basically the, the body, when you, when you, when you use your muscles, you're generating electricity. And so just the same way is if you, if you have wiring in your body that there's a resistance or there's, there's a problem or a break in the circuit, then you don't get that transfer of electricity and power. And so what we want to do is use these exercises, especially the squats, to try to get this, this improve the connection to the body. And we'll touch on the different patterns later, but that's, that's the, the basic behind what we want to do today. And I met one of your clients. She came to our Thailand camp and she said she'd been working with you for, for quite a while. And some of the, what, she, what you were doing was watching her through, through Zoom, basically do some exercises. And you're able to just see where she was falling short in how she was doing the exercises and making some changes. And now she's really been able to get her, get her glutes working through a lot of her training. So with her running, cycling uh, and, and swimming as well. And I mean, you hear it and you think, well, you, know, you can just, just work your glutes, like just get it happening. But there's, there's often things that people are doing that's not allowing them to fully use them. And then when they can they, they can start to use them. It, it makes a huge, huge difference. One of the things you mentioned before the call was modified squat. So do you want to take us through the, the modified squat, how you use it, who it's, who it's good for, and, yeah. and what is a modified squat for those that, that don't know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So for those of you that, you know, the average swimmer is actually generally quite stiff in, in their lower back and in their upper, upper thoracic spine. And we also find they're very tight on the inner thigh and groin. And hamstrings as well. So just the average guy or lady or who's working. And so to, to perform a, like a pretty functional squat requires a lot of mobility. And that's quite challenging for the average person. And so I found that when I was coaching the swimmers and, you know, you're not always working with elite swimmers. And so this, 
this is why I developed this modified squat. And it's simply just raising the heels up about half an inch or, or one and a half centimeters, uh, depending on the, on the clients and what we need. But by raising the heels, you, you, you take out the posterior or the, the, the tension in the back of the body, the lower back, the calf, and the hamstrings, which are generally quite tight to the average person. And that allows them to really squat down deeper and put a lot less strain on the knees. And they're able to get into their hip flexors. And this is a key point here with this exercise, Brent, is that so many swimmers are trying to stretch out their hip flexors. It's quite a common uh, thing on Google, you know, how do I stretch my hip flexors? And this exercise allows you to get down deep enough into the, into the squat that it actually activates and strengthens the hip flexors. And then we, we see that actually has a huge powerful way to release the hip flexors. So one of the things is I've, it's, it's a bit of a, like a mind shift is instead of trying to stretch the hip flexors, I've actually been trying to get my guys to, to really strengthen them. And this really helps them to get into it. So you're basically just raising the heels. Now, people often ask me, oh, but I'm going to be shorting my Achilles tendon by doing that. And, and I've always just said to them, you're doing this as a tool in the squatting. You're not walking around with like a, a wedge in your shoes, you know, like keeping, that, would, that would cause trouble. Yeah. And, and what are you getting them to use to, to raise it? So you've got, you've got a few things. You can roll up a towel, roll up your gym mats. You can actually buy these slant boards. That, you know, I don't know if people have seen them in the gym. They're like slant boards you can stand on, and you can vary the angle of the slant. The only problem I find with the slant boards is they, they often make them too narrow. So when it comes to squatting deep, it's sometimes for the, especially clients are like over 50, 60, you need to have a little bit wider base. But just simply rolling up a mat, and you can get that thickness to about an inch. Again, depending on, on what, what, what we desired result. Mm. I've done this myself as well, and it's just much easier to get into to some of those, those positions. And I'm, I'm probably not super tight through the hammies, but I'm certainly not really mobile with them either. And it's, it just makes everything a whole, lot, a whole lot easier. So you find that by doing that, it just allows people to get to, to fire the hip flexors better, to use them better Correct. compared to when they're not, not doing it. And it's a great way to, as you get down deeper, you know, you can, you can maintain a better position in your lower back. So people often overcompensate in doing squats in the lower back. It's, it's the first thing mm-hmm. that they, they feel. And the other thing they feel is their knees. So depending on their foot structure, so if they've got flat feet, that's a problem because the knees kind of roll in too much. And if they've got these high arches, they, they don't have enough internal rotation or all the, all the knees to move where they're going deep and then they get knee problems. So this is quite a, a simple tool just to use to get people to kind of navigate around all those you know those restrictions mm, yeah i like it and another one that you mentioned was uh, the, the sumo squat so um from my understanding that's where their feet are sort of wide outside the the knees right. wider than the yep. knees uh, what's the difference between this the benefit i guess of doing the sumo squat compared to a normal squat what's the difference really that's a great question. So, the, you know, we, we often think about when we want to do leg muscles, like the, the quadriceps, the, the thigh muscles, the hamstrings, the glutes, and those are like the, the main kind of guys that you want to work on. But the inner thigh muscles, which are known in medicine as the adductor muscles, and they're actually a huge, large group of like muscles on the inner thigh. And we often think of them just as being tight. You know, we want to stretch them out, but they, they, they're pretty bulky muscles. And they are used to stabilize the knee in swimming or squatting or climbing stairs. In gym, I don't know if you remember those machines where you sit on your legs wide apart and you kind of pulled your legs together. That, they we call that adduction. That's, that's, that's the way to strengthen in the gym, but you don't really do that in real life unless you're kicking a soccer ball, but you're not really kind of walking with your legs closing and opening like this. But 
they used to stabilize the, and then you say with sumo squats with a wider stance, you're getting into those muscles, you get, you're activating those inner thigh muscles. And very, very powerful again, because when they're activated, they help release the hip flexor muscles as well, because they, they're contrary, they work opposed to each other. And really, really brilliant to re release in the hips. And if, if clients have got tight hips, especially if you, for swimming, uh, breaststroke or any, any, any swimming, it's, if you want to improve that, that mobility, they, those squats are really, really, really good. And often just have them holding a kettlebell or a weight and just go down gently and just, just, just getting into those muscles. How deep should you be going on those squats? That's a great question. You need to go where you're comfortable. And you also need to just be aware of, of any sort of tension in the back. Because sometimes, and this is where we get into those patterns, sometimes one side is tighter than the other side. Often it's tighter. So you've got to be careful when you're going down too deep that you then to gravitate into like the one side and, and strain your back. And that's where the coaching comes in, where we just kind of guide the people through the exercises. But you, you can go quite deep if you feel comfortable. Yeah. Mm. I, I've done the exercise where you'll have a, like a workout bench and you, it's like a side plank and you've got your top leg resting on the bench yes. and then you bring your bottom leg up off the, off the ground, working the same muscles or, or similar muscles, is it? Before we dive into the rest of today's podcast episode, this episode is proudly brought to you by Form Smart Swim Goggles. They've been a long-time sponsor of the podcast, and they are my go-to goggles when it comes to tracking my training sessions and being able to see what's happening in real time through the goggles. And we know swimming is a highly technical sport, but without the guidance of a coach on deck, identifying and addressing technique flaws can be a challenge. They've recently added a new feature to the goggles, Head Coach, and this addresses that problem head-on. It gives them as improved access to their technique awareness, focus skill development, and in-app education and analysis. Head Coach provides real-time visual coaching via the Form Smart Swim Goggles augmented reality display. During and after a swim, Head Coach provides swimmers with technique feedback using two types of metrics, Form Score and Head Coach Skills. Form Score is a measurement of overall swim efficiency ranging from zero to 100, defined by your pace, and your stroke length. Head Coach Skills encompasses five key areas that will help you identify where to focus on improving with your efficiency. Head roll, head pitch, set pacing, interval pacing, and breathing time to neutral. And after completing a session, you can check back in on the form app to track your progress. And Head Coach provides swimmers from beginner to expert with an unprecedented level of data-driven guidance and understanding, enabling you to boost your performance and your speed. Get your pair of Form Smart Swim Goggles today. Click the link in our podcast description or use the code EFFORTLESS on checkout to get 15% off your Form Smart Swim Goggles. This podcast is also brought to you by Skillist, the ultimate digital coaching platform that's making waves in the swimming world. Imagine having the opportunity to train with Olympic and world champions like Kyle Chalmers, Ryan Murphy, and Brent Hayden. Well, with Skillist, that dream is now a reality. Swimmers, you now have the chance to work with the absolute best in the sport, gaining insights and guidance from these elite athletes like never before. And Skillist isn't just your run-of-the-mill coaching platform, it's a game changer. Here is what sets it apart. You can discuss training programs, receive detailed stroke analysis, and even develop race strategies with these incredible athletes and coaches. It's like having a personal coaching session with an Olympic champion right in your pocket. And excitingly, coaches from around the world can also tap into the power of Skillist. Coaches can use Skillist's amazing tools to train their students, analyze videos, and incredibly connect with swimmers from across the world as well. 
So whether you are a swimmer or a coach, go to the App Store, download the Skillist app today. That's S-K-I-L-L-E-S-T. Download the Skillist app today and get started. And only for our Effortless Swimming Podcast listeners, we're giving away our Art of Triathlon course free, as well as a technique analysis online through the Skillist app from me for free as well. Go to effortlessswimming.com forward slash Skillist offer or click the link in this podcast description and you will get the Art of Triathlon Swimming course for free as well as a technique analysis from me through the Skillist app. And now back to the podcast. First of all, think about from a functional point of view that you know, that's, we want to try to get as functional as we can, but that's using the muscle as an adductor, which is bringing the legs together. If you can imagine like you're bringing that leg up to the, to the bench together. But this we want to work like in, like a, in an isometric or in a functional manner where the leg is actually grounded, which is what you're doing most throughout the life. In swimming, mm. it's just also st- stability, but it also provides a lot of electrical energy in the system. So when those muscles are not working or not effective, it's, it's a huge drag or strain on the body again. Mm. And uh, is there uh, clients that you're not doing this with or is it something that you build up to? How would you normally integrate this into their program? Yeah, we first start with building up the quad strength so and, and the glute strength through those modified squats or just general squatting. And then we start to take them into the sumo squats where they can go wider apart and, and, and improve that mobility. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit more, it, it depends on what they're looking for and what we're looking, you know, if it's been on these patterns, which I'll talk about now as well, like if you want to target those, those muscles, you need to have a pretty good or fairly good range of motion in the hips before you start doing sumo squats because it can cause compression and I don't know if you, you know, especially if you're really tight there. Mm, yep, yep, makes sense. And now with the work that you're doing with with clients, are there any patterns that are that are standing out to you when it comes to to swimmers? So like movement patterns that they could improve on. Yeah, what are those common threads that you're seeing amongst the the swimmers where you look at and go, yeah, we need to we need to work on this and this is going to help you in your swimming. Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, the average person, again, is like right, more right-handed than left-handed, you know, and so you, you see what I said is what we thought. We sort of get stuck on the right side. It's a pattern where people are, are over onto the right side. So if they were to stand and you ask them, where did your weight feel? They tend to be more on the right side and the right hand's more dominant in the things that we do. It's also linked, interesting, Brendan, that your thought processes. So if you're someone who's very analytical, Someone that worries a lot, thinks about things, strives hard, pushes, ambitious, over ambitious. There's nothing wrong with being ambitious, but so that, that, that pushing too hard, which is, we find a lot of sportsmen and just in general, that tends to get people onto the right side. Another interesting thing is the right diaphragm is bigger than the left diaphragm. And, and it's not, that's not a design fault. It's just that when people are over, even if they're over anxious or just whatever it is, they tend to be pulling more on the right side. So we see the left hip kind of pushing forwards, which is then overactive left hip flexor. And then they tend to get stuck, compressed ribs on the right. You can see as I mean, if those are watching on YouTube, it kind of falls into the right shoulder, gets out mm. of alignment, right jaw. It's, it's all the sort of ripple effects up the chain. So the, one of the ways to improve that is to, to get onto your left side. And so I do a lot of exercises where I have clients rotating onto left side, pushing from the right buttocks or glutes onto left side. And especially for um, swimmers with right shoulder pain, this is one of my go-to for programs is like getting them back onto left side. And uh, it's very, very effective. Uh, you'll we'll see that shoulder, a lot of shoulder issues, and especially when you sort out the rib cage, we talked about that, the thoracic spine, 
it really just, it's such a simple way to just, it's a simple way for swimmers to understand, you know, like too much on the one side. And that is that conversely with someone who's more left side dominant? You, you, it's the same thing, right? You, you, like can, you, can, just... you can see the same thing. Again, it's, there's, there's a lot of factors that push you on. So it could be an old injury. So you might have hurt your knee and now you're sitting onto one side. So it's not always the case that you are on the one side because of that. But it, so it could be a compensation for, for an injury or, or problems. It can be even just like bowel disturbances, you know, like problems in like stomach or like we talked about ways of thinking is a big thing or like, like I'm a golfer and so, so you, you know, you, you're on, on the surface as well, like yourself, you know, you're always on the one pattern or I like to ride, you know, natural, like the front side waves. So I don't like to go on the left. There's just many things that can contribute to those things. But often mm. we find this right sided pattern is, is quite common, you know, compared to left side, yeah. I was at, I think it was in Thailand, I was looking at one of our swimmers and just from behind and his right shoulder was sitting, I reckon, an inch or two lower than his, his left one. And just, and I, I didn't, didn't sort of dive into it, but, and I, I do see that among a lot of, lot of people that it can be old injuries coming up a mountain bike. It could just be a dominance to one side, but with, an, with a really big imbalance between like just the height of the shoulders, it's. To me, it just it really, really stood out. Stood out, and yeah. Yeah, the, what I mean, there can be, a, as you said, a range of range of factors factors there. But is that something that you see much of? Well, it's this right side of see this pattern that we pick up on. In fact, I've got a, quite a few clients in, in, in the membership, your swimming membership, that are struggling with right shoulders. You know, so we've we've actually been kind of just like working on getting left rotation left pushing to the left, uh, left um, arm exercises. And then, then we go, once they feel their shoulder just really loosening up in the mobility, then we start to strengthen the right side. Uh, but you've got to get your body in the right position before you do shoulder strengthening. Um, and then another key point for shoulders, because that's very common as you know, the injury is, is that when you do shoulder rehab, is to start with working your lower body first because, and using squats. <laughs> because the squats, actually are really powerful at generating electricity. So you get they're active, they, they, they're kind of like a reserve of electrons. And then when you start to do shoulder exercises, you feel super connected and you feel like the power is coming from somewhere that you never had. And it's, so I'll give an example, like if you start doing push-ups and you get to like 10, 11, you start feeling tired. If you stop, then go do two sets of 10 squats, suddenly you're bashing out 30 or 20, you feel really comfortable. You might fatigue from lack of fitness, but you don't feel it's coming because it's heavy. Does that make sense? Mm. Is, is that a little bit like the Wim Hof breathing thing? Where Have you seen that where you kind of do this, not hyperventilating, but it's like this intense breathing, and then you do push-ups, and you can do like double what you'd normally be able to do in terms of the, the push-ups, and it's just, is, is it the He's same probably concept? working with the oxygen, the oxygen, there's an oxygen component there as well, you know, like getting the release of oxygen into the body and then you've got like availability of power, like you said, yeah. Right. It's really, it's, I find it, you know, it's even my own personal training, like when I, for myself, like if I ever want to do upper body, I straight away go to my squats. I really make sure I get that connection and then mm. I go and do my shoulders. So, yeah, so that is like that right shoulder. I'm not, there are obviously some of the left shoulder problems as well, but we do, we do see that as a big issue, the right side. It's just also when you're doing the programs and coaching, it's just looking because a lot of people have got this idea of like they've got to do what they do on the left and they do to the right. So they, you know, they want to balance their bodies, but sometimes and often it's actually working, you know, reversing those asymmetries and, and trying to get out of those patterns. 
And, you know, as I say to the clients, we don't want to like target one muscles because muscles, they all work together. There's a relationship. So the answer is not just releasing the hip flexors. Now I mm. use the strength in the hip flexors, but in that I'm also working glutes, I'm working hamstrings. We, you know, we, we've got rotation. So we're trying to get this whole reverse the pattern is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's, the more you look into it, the more, the more you see it, I think with Correct. people as well. Um, if, uh, and especially if you, with a trained eye, it, it's something that you can probably pick up pretty quickly when you're, when you're watching people as, as well. And I mean, I, I imagine you probably walk down to the, the supermarket and you're <laughs> watching people walk and seeing how they move as well. You know, like when I go yeah. to the swimming pool. Does your right shoulder just, hurts? Yes. How did you know? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And one of the key things we do is just, just have them standing barefoot and, and that's usually a dead giveaway. You can see where the pressure on the, on the seats, that tells you where, you, where the weight is. I'm not, I'm not sure if you, do you, do you wear, do you walk barefoot? Are you, have you, are you familiar with this whole grounding earthing effect as well? Like, cause I'm a big into that electrical being, you know, so like actually training, doing a lot of the squats and everything bare feet and not doing trainers makes a big difference as well. So like if mm. you wear like whatever shoe you training you wear, you've got these big thick soles and you just, you can kind of get the muscles to activate, but if you take your shoes off and do the same exercise, it's amazing how much more uh, activation you get through the body. I have, you have heard, heard that. I, I, I'd say when I go to the gym, I've got just sort of runner, runners on, but outside of that, I mean, I'm generally just barefooted, barefoot at home, Brilliant. but I'd Brilliant. say not doing a lot of yeah strength stuff in, in bare feet at the moment, I'd say. Okay. It, it, it's simply to go out the side on the grass or, and, and do like a single leg lunge or, a, you know, like a, a squat. And then put your trainers back on or go and gym and you'll, and you'll feel the difference. It's actually quite, it's quite sub, uh, substantial, significant. Mm, yeah, so right. I'm not you're going to gym, you know, barefoot, but I, I, there's something like, especially because I'm on that whole electrical, <laughs> I'm, I'm really passionate about this whole electrical beings that we are like electrical, you know, we literally like the muscles are like battery packs. And uh, like I do quite a lot of trail running. And when I run with my trail running shoes, I, I never feel comfortable, but, and it's, maybe I should get a new pair of shoes, but, or, but the thing is, it's when I run barefoot, it's, I just, it's just, I mean, they've got these minimalistic shoes as well, which is quite popular, but there's some, there's something to be said about being barefoot on the ground. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And what, what got you interested in that, that side of things? I think for me, it was this whole idea of like, how come when I do my squats, I feel so much stronger in the upper body. Like what has just changed? Like how do I go from doing six push-ups or seven push-ups and feeling tired and then I go and do 20 squats, which are nothing related to the upper body, and then I can just go and do like I have to feel so light. We talked about the last podcast about movements that feel light. Like I feel like, I feel like really 60, 70% lighter. I feel like I'm just like bench pressing like five kgs. Now, how, what, what changed? I mean, like, how did it go from feeling like I'm bench pressing 100 kgs to bench pressing five? It might be exaggerated. Bench pressing 20 kgs. It's just something's changed, and that that was where the electric the electricity came. I'm getting power from somewhere. Like something has changed, or resistance has improved. There's no ways uh, I've warmed up my own muscles, you know. So that started me, and then I did a lot of research on on muscles and and. The electricity of the heart, the brain, and 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 the back, like ADP. Are you familiar with ADP? A ATP, sorry, ATP, like the, the in mitochondria. Now mitochondria, that, that it's not that's the actual energy. So when you when you use that AT, ATP, you're releasing electrons, 
And then through the Krebs cycle, through the fatty acids, then you, you, you recharge ADP back up into ATP. So you're recharging those mitochondrial, those a, and that's, that's actually the electrical system. And so hmm. that's why you have fatigue or, or drop. We talk about a drop in voltage. So yeah, it's this whole connection. It's been very, very fascinating. Yeah, interesting. There you go. I'll have to look into that more because I'd say I'd pop, I don't really know anything you know, much about it apart from when you mentioned it on the last, on the last podcast. And on, to, to finish up here, is there anything, anything we haven't covered that you think we, we should have or any last pieces of, of, of wisdom for people listening to the episode? No, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. I think the last thing, just, just always moving, progressing, you know, slowly, not, not trying to like progress too quickly. I guess it's the same as swimming or any, any sport, running, just, just with the exercises, just really make sure you, you're dialed in, you feel the muscles you want to work, you you know, you're not, you're not trying to just like go through a program and get on with it and then go back to work or, you know, you just be, be intentional and have a good body awareness of what's working. And also that's where the coaching helps. I mean, like this is a thing on Zoom. We can see a lot, you know, when I work with the clients, even if it's just a, a one-stop session or, you know, if it's personal training for a couple of weeks just to get the muscles that, you know, having someone that you can talk back to and say this is what you're feeling or not feeling makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that just that steady build up and that patience people who are willing to commit to either better mobility or increasing their strength over a minimum six months 12 months it you know this stuff will take time and for me it's really taken i'd say 12 months of consistent strength training to really feel to to feel like i'm a lot more solid lot lot more unbreakable and that first 12 months uh, after that first 12 months the next six months after that i feel like i can really make some good good gains and and i've got that a strong foundation so it really just takes takes time and and consistency and every expert that i talk to on the podcast they always talk about consistency it's like that's absolutely that number one that is the secret to success is just showing up and doing it doing it consistently yeah, and that's, and that's one of those parts of like you know when you when you book sessions you, you you're committed to to doing it i mean it's so hard it's so easy to drop your exercises you know like sometimes you wake up in the morning and you just don't feel like doing anything or you so having having a coach helps that consistency yeah. if it's once a month whatever just check in it helps with consistency yeah where can people get in touch with you to either book a session or see what see how they can work with you yeah, so my online is callreadercoaching.com and it's call with a C. And, and then I, I can reach out to my email address is callwellness at gmail.com. Terrific. We'll put those in the show notes as well. Carl, thanks for jumping back on the, the podcast. I think this is episode number four or five we've uh, had together, if not, if not more. So I appreciate, appreciate you being on the podcast and working with, the, you know, with, with our athletes in the, the membership and people who listen to this podcast. As I said, got to meet Claire in Thailand, who I think you've got another session with, with today, which Good is terrific. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I appreciate all of that. So thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, Brian. Always a pleasure. Keep well. Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com.